You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1098 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for making the Locked On Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Today's podcast, I'll be joined by Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports and Dime on Uprocks. Robbie joined me yesterday on the podcast for the Western Conference over-unders, and today is the Eastern Conference, which of course includes the Atlanta Hawks. So we'll have plenty to get to on a pretty loaded episode with Robbie. And again, if you missed yesterday's podcast, that's still available for download in the West. And earlier in the week, we had a News and Notes episode on Monday morning and then an emergency episode on the Kevin Herter extension. So plenty of content. Three shows already this week. This will be the fourth you're listening to right now. So wall-to-wall coverage as the Hawks are opening this season on Thursday with a home game against Dallas. Uh, before we get to Robbie and the Eastern Conference Overrunners, some news to hit on at the top of the podcast. Um, as far as practice is concerned, on Tuesday, no surprises, although Danilo Gallinari did not do any live work with the Hawks on Tuesday. Did some shooting. There was some video of him out there shooting with the team. Um, the only player in question for the opener, other than a Kongwu, is Gallinari at this point in time, according to Nate McMillan. And uh, no reason to doubt that. The official injury report will be arriving on Wednesday evening, but Gallinari missed the end of the preseason as well. So we don't really know how that's going to respond Clearly, um, they're going to be careful with him. He's a veteran, an older player, and he's been around the block several times. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But the Hawks do need Gallinari, especially with Alec Kongwu and having that depth in the front court. And we'll keep an eye on that as Thursday approaches. Also, we got some word on the Kevin Herter extension structure from Bobby Marks of ESPN. On a podcast with Brian Windhorst and Hoop Collective on Tuesday, Marks um, asserted that the Deal is actually the typical structure of starting low with 8% raises with Herder. It's not been announced just yet, but that was sort of my assumption all along. And if that's true, uh, the deal will start at about $14.5 million for next season, then 50.7, 16.8, and then about $18 million in the 2025-26 season, which is the fourth year of that extension. Without going into all the numbers on this one, somebody asked me how this affects the salary cap and luxury tax for the Hawks moving forward, so I'll pass that along now. With Herder on the books, for $14.5 million for next year, the Hawks would now have $151 million committed to only 10 players for next season. Now, that does drop to about one thirty-five if they were to cut Gallinari, who only has $5 million guaranteed. So um, that is something to be sure. But that, that number of about $135 million does not include anything for a first-round pick. It doesn't have Delano Wright or Lou Williams or Gorky Jang. And also, that's with Trey Young not making All-NBA. If he makes All-NBA, that salary is going to jump up 5 or $6 million, depending on where the actual cap comes in for next season. And also, if the cap goes higher, which could happen, and that would, of course, help a lot of teams, it wouldn't really help the Hawks all that much because Young's contract is the max, and that way it is tied to how big the salary cap actually is. So that's also worth noting. Um, the cap, by the way, is projected to be about $119 million for next season, so they're already way over that, even with only 10 players on the roster. The tax line is about $145 million projection for next year. So if they didn't have Gallinari and Trey did not make All-NBA, they could maybe wiggle under it without a trade, maybe, and that's with minimums at the end of the, at the, end of the, of the uh, bench for sure. But obviously for a long time now, we've been talking about the tax being a likelihood for next season, barring trades, and with Herter now making locked in for eight figures, um, that's become even more likely with this move. 
Uh, looking ahead a little bit to the uh, last couple seasons of, the, of that contract, by the way, in 23-24, the Hawks have more than $120 million guaranteed and committed to seven players, and that does not include anything for Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. Um, plus, the Hawks would have had two more first-round picks since then, or Gallinari, etc. Then, in 24-25, they have $105 million committed to five players, and that is Young, Collins, Capella, Herter, and Jalen Johnson. That $105 million does not count anything at all for Bogdanovich, Hunter, Reddish, or Okongwu. So three lottery picks and Bogdanovich, $0 on that $105 million. And then on the final season of Herter's deal, they only have three guys under contract. It's Herter, Trey Young, and John Collins. That's the player option year for Collins, but still $80 million or more committed to three players at the end. So the Hawks are spending some money. They've laid out a lot of contracts here, but um, we won't know full-on clarity until we get to projections. But I will say this. If you were someone that was believing the Hawks could maybe avoid the luxury tax next year without too much pain, um, signing Herter is not going to take away that risk. Of course, they could make trades. And something I even mentioned, I actually have talked about on other podcasts today, was just like, this is a very tradable contract. They want to do that for Herter, which is part of the uh, value proposition. But regardless... A lot of money committed to the future, and we now at least know the reporting of the herder structure from Bobby Marks uh, starting low, going up 8% raises, and that sort of mirrors the salary cap as it is projected to be growing in the next couple of seasons. All right, before we get to Robbie Cowlin and a virtual smorgasbord on the Eastern Conference, plenty to get to, including the Hawks, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and iPerspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. I am joined once again by friend of the podcast, Robbie Calland is back and it's Eastern Conference time on the over unders. Robbie, welcome back. Hello. Hello, friends. We're here. It's the East. The Hawks. It is the East. Uh, the West should be up already by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, and now we'll go through the 15 Eastern Conference teams. I traditionally have made people wait to the end of the podcast to do the Hawks, even though we go in alphabetical order. I'm going to give people a treat and start with the Hawks today. Because, uh, listen, uh, I'm magnanimous. And maybe I've been told sometimes that I bury the lead too much. So here we are on the Hawks. And we'll open this up. Uh, just for the record, uh, if you missed if you missed anything from part one, I recommend you listen to it about the West. But uh, some context: if you missed anything from that show, all of these uh, betting lines on the over unders are from BetOnline.ag, our friends and sponsors over there. And also, we are not going to be uh, giving out like superstar five star locks of the week 
on this podcast. We'll give you our thoughts uh, as Robbie no, said on the first no, show. No con, no condo steamers. No, no, uh, no steamer picks on this one. Uh, we'll give our uh, our thoughts and leans and things, but we're not going to bet all these. So just going to be honest about it, and we'll get through all of this. Um, all right, let's start with the Hawks. This is funny. When we started recording this, I pointed this out to you, but um, there is juice on both sides of all of these bets. Uh, I've been online, and at the moment, the number one uh, number in terms of juice, the Hawks over is minus 145, and the under is plus 115. The number is 47.5, and, and I will say, for listeners on the podcast that may already know this, when this number opened, it was at, I believe, 46 flat. So it's already gone up about a win and a half, and now it's heavily juiced on the over. So I guess people listened to me when I said to bet the over at some point. Moving lines, Brad Rowland. <laughs> Probably not, but alas. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's still an over. Still an over for me. Um, this is a team that is, I don't know if they are as good as the pace they were on under Nate to end the season. I don't know if they can sustain it because that was like mid fifties, right? Like high fifties pace. Yeah. They were, they were 27 and 11. Um, so if you, if you just do that by 82 games, it was like a 58 win pace the last 38 games. Yeah. They're not that, they're not that good. I don't think. However, I think they're a 50 win team. Like I would, I would be. I think there's a more likely a chance that they're a 50 win team than they are a 45 win team. And just based on that, you you take the over. I actually, I actually, this is one of my favorites of the East. There, I only have like three actual East plays I really like, uh, and this is one of them. Uh, look, this is just a really good basketball team. They are deeper than they were last year. Last year was a season in which they had, as all Hawks fans know, horrific injury, luck, and you would hope that that would bounce back uh, in a more positive way this year. I I just, I look at this team and I I really don't see how they're not a top four squad in the East. And and if you're, if you're in that range, um, top four or five squad. I think I think you're over this number because I think the top of the East is is pretty solid once again. And um, yeah, I mean you've got Trey, you've got Capella, you've got all your guys back. Who, you know, I mentioned this on the West Pod about Phoenix, but like the Hawks are now kind of shaken free of the nerves of breaking a playoff drought. And so I think they come out a lot looser to start the season. They know what they're going to be doing. Uh, you don't have the whole Lloyd Pierce thing kind of hanging over the team. Will they, won't they fire him? I just think that this is a team that's ready to ready to just continue on and, and play similar basketball to last year. And that's all they have to do to reach this over. Yeah. I mean, I've said it obviously the entire time I've loved the over the whole way and I think I have some level of credibility as someone who's not always a blind homer. I just think this is numbers too low. Well, I mean, uh, me too. I've gotten yeah, for being we've too gotten yelled at about the Hawks so, like, sometimes. I've, and 
yeah, I just think this is not obviously where two people people that were uh, I am still based here. You were formerly based here, and I'm sure people um, outside of Atlanta might roll their eyes at that. But I think it's a clear over. Um, obviously, it's not ideal to have to lay minus one forty five currently. No, that's not fun. At, but online, can, but I buy, I, can I buy a half of a win and like buy the push at forty eight? Like I would do yeah, that maybe. in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know, I, I picked them third in the East. Uh, I think top four is fairly safe, and this is a team that is so deep that, you know, with the exception of injuries to essentially Trey right. Young and Clay Capella, I think they're mm-hmm. pretty much guarded against injury elsewhere, provided it's not yeah. like a, an entire disaster. Last year it got right. borderline disastrous at times. It did. Uh, it truly yeah. did. I mean, they're, they're, as much as Solomon Hill had to play, and I, I love Solo, but you don't want him playing 1,500 Tony minutes. Tony Snell. And, um, yeah, so as long as you can get something out of your wings to stay healthy – uh, right. This is an over for me as well. So we could probably go 20 minutes on this, but I think it's clear. I think Hawks fans have been kind of baffled by how low the number is, and it's starting to come up. Maybe it's because Hawks fans are betting it. I'm not sure. Um, but I do think that coming off the conference finals appearance, I've been maybe not surprised, but I've taken note that there's not been as quite as much buzz about the Hawks as I thought. You know, locally there is, but I sure. think normally conference finals team, like, you might see a little bit more about them, but it's kind of been replaced by Miami, and even Boston's gotten more hype in some places. And uh, I think the Hawks are still undervalued, which is uh, not surprising. They kind of always are undervalued even when they're good. Sure. Um, but that's probably enough on them. It's an over. I think Hawks fans will enjoy us saying that, but it's also true. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can go to uh, we can go to Boston now, and they're actually the most similar over under to the Hawks in the East. Boston is forty six and a half wins which is about where the Hawks mm-hmm. opened, somewhere in there. Uh, even juice on both sides for the Celtics. Last year they were actually, point differential-wise, a 45-win team, but they also were 500. So they were a little bit, however you want to say that, unlucky or bad in the clutch, etc. Um, and now they have some interesting movement. I mean, they had the same core pieces with Tatum and Brown, but you bring back Al Horford, old friend. You bring in Josh Richardson. You uh, send a couple guys out. Obviously, Kemba's not there anymore. I think they're better on paper than they were a year ago. Dennis is there. Uh, lots of Hawks synergy with Bruno Fernando, Dennis Schroeder, and Al Horford on the same on the same side with Boston. But I think they're better, but also not sure how much better than they uh, than this number indicates. Yeah, I I, um, I think I think I have listed uh, the under on this, but again, this is like a stay away from me. I, I wouldn't be surprised on either side. Part of it is, you know, I, their point guard rotation is shaky, um, relying a lot on Peyton Pritchard, who had a good rookie year, but just I don't think that's a guy you want to have to, like, rely on a ton. Um, and they might. Uh, Al, we'll see where he's at. I think that's kind of a, a big swing spot is, like, how much he can come back after – the Philly disaster and then just not playing at all last year. Um, in OKC uh, in the second half of the season. So maybe that, that gets him right. I, I don't know. Like they're, they're, a, they're just a weird team and I don't know where they necessarily fall in the, the East hierarchy, but I, like I, I have them, I think pretty clearly behind what I see as a, as a top four, maybe even a top five. Like I, I don't, I don't know where they end up and it's possible that Jason Tatum makes a big leap or, um, you know, Jalen Brown has another leap in him, but 
I just I don't see a whole lot of reason for huge optimism regarding like especially a playoff ceiling for this team. Um, but you know, they like you said, they have solid players. If they can stay healthy, like they can flirt with this number and possibly get over it. I, I just I lean a touch under. I think they're probably right in that 45, 46 win area. And um, that's a stay away. We're on the same page. That's basically exactly what I think. You know, I'm actually concerned about their offense a little bit. Not that they will be terrible, but when you're – I think they actually have the ability to be awesome defensively if they want to be. Um, like, if they start Marcus Smart at point guard uh, and Al Horford and Robert Williams and go big and have two athletic wings, like, they're going to be good defensively. I just don't know how much they're going to score. And you have Dennis, and yeah. that situation's kind of strange. And, yeah, it's a mid-40s win team for me. I think that's uh, – it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they went over by a little bit or under by a little bit. But I think barring a Tatum injury – this is a team that's going to win somewhere in the 40s, and I just don't want to fool with that um, either way on Boston. Uh, next is Brooklyn, which is very interesting at the moment. Uh, as, as we're recording this, <laughs> Kyrie is not a, a, a member of the team uh, right now. Uh, the over-under is 55.5 wins with the under slightly juiced. Um, last year, they were even with the injuries they had, and they had a bunch, uh, they were a 55-win team, point differential-wise, so that's basically where this number is. But Kyrie being out some of the time is not the same as Kyrie being out the entire time, which could happen this year. I will say this, though, before I hand it over to you. They are deeper this year than they were last year. They have guys they're, like, you know, they have Patty, really good. Yeah, they have, they have Patty Mills. They have Paul Millsap. Um, Aldridge is back. James Johnson's around. Javon Carter is around. Uh, Cam Thomas is going to get buckets when he's when he's playing. Um, so sure, they yeah. have so they have some depth. It's just an interesting roster because they have a bunch of like old big men, uh, and then of course the two stars and Nick so, Claxton. Yeah, old big men, Nick Nick Claxton, and then I guess uh, on the side you have James Harden and Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> they're, they're very they're very good, but truthfully, I have a hard time like figuring out my projection for the Nets right now. Yeah, when I did this, you know, it's kind of funny when I did this a month ago, I had the Nets as an over, and I still think I might lean that way. I've seen a lot of people say that they think the Nets won't care uh, about the regular season and that they they will just kind of try to get to the playoffs and get there healthy. And that that's maybe possible. But I think people underestimate how good James Harden is and how much James Harden plays most seasons. Like last year, he had the hamstring, and it's possible that that is just the thing that he has to deal with. And and if that's the case, then obviously that changes the calculus. Um, but if he's right, like that that dude just plays seventy five games a year minimum. Like he used to play 80, 82 games in Houston, and he always was on the floor. And even if he's out there with the rest of their roster, and KD takes some nights off. They can be well over half the league like that. Oh, they, I mean, neutral court tonight, if you just take KD off and put James on with everybody else, they're favored over, like you said, they're probably favored over 18, 20 teams in the league. Right. So I, I just, 
I don't know, man. Like, I, I I get the trepidation here, but, like, I think there's actually some value on the over at this point, especially at plus 100, so even money. I think you could you can make a strong case for that, especially considering there is a chance that at some point Kyrie <laughs> is back. Like, there's yes. a very real chance that at some point he either just gets the vaccine, New York's mandate, gets pulled or what you know whatever may happen like that is genuine that is very much in play i know people are like it's also in play that he might miss the whole season yeah but i think they could get to this number without him it would require the health of both kd and harden but there's a path to the over without Kyrie playing at all and if he plays and if he comes in and he does end up playing even 35 games kind of like it at, at even money as weird as it is to say for a team that's missing an all-star no i think that actually makes sense if you made me choose one side or the other i think i would take the over as well I right don't i don't want to invest in this team no i, I mean financial investment honestly for me it's going to come down to because i agree with you on harden by the way he's never been my favorite guy but he is so he's been so durable and so effective in the regular season he's so reliable like last year, got hurt. And maybe there's a chance. Maybe he's just you know, he's kind of older than people think he is, and maybe he's just not going to be that yeah. same guy anymore in terms of durability. Well, that's what, that's what I was saying. And since it's a hamstring, I mean, we've said we've seen that across sports that once you get a hamstring thing, sometimes that just pops up. But if not, yeah, no, I, it, I think that if you could, if you could guarantee me that Durant and Harden both play like 65 or more games, then I would take the over pretty solidly. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. the, obviously the downside risk, and this is this is the trouble with losing Kyrie is that uh, now you can't afford an injury to either one of the other guys. Significant absence for the for yeah. the window. Yeah, it just, no, just kind of hurts your it hurts your margin for error, which is a hundred percent. Which is why which is why this is not an actual bet. But I I do not, I I push back on the people advocating the under who think the Nets are going to like limp in at like a four seed. I oh, don't no. see that. No, I I've seen some people with that take, and I disagrees tremendously <laughs> i i also do i mean as long as long as again barring injury if, if you're projecting yeah, well, some absences right. then that's one thing but um if but, you tell me that kd and harden are there more often than not they're gonna be very good uh yes because they do have depth like we said i mean we kind of breeze by it but they have a bunch of quality players they're not yeah. like famous guys well i guess the right. i guess the old guys are famous but even guys like Patty, like Patty Mills being there is actually kind of huge now with Kyrie not being there. Oh, um, it's it's massive. Patty it Mills is good. A legit um, backup point guard who can play twenty five a night behind Harden and yep. next to Harden. That is very helpful, and he's a pro, and he'll shoot it and all that stuff. Anyway, we like and they have Javon Carter, who is uh, he will guard you. on this podcast. Yes, he he will guard you, to be sure. Um, different situation now. Uh, Charlotte is next on this list. Uh, Charlotte's over-under is 38 and a half wins. Last year, they performed as a, about a 35-win team over, over 82 games, um, point differential-wise. Um, this is it's a similar team to what it was last year, but there, were, there are some tweaks. Um, out is Devontae Graham and Malik Monk uh, and Cody Zeller. In is Kelly Oubre on a free agent deal. They have Ish Smith, go Deeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mason Plumley is also on board, plus some young guys, you know, Kai Jones, etc. Um, this is a weird one to me. I will say this at the top: I my first thought was to lean under here because yep. 
I think the absence of Zeller is uh, going to hurt them a little bit. I think Zeller's better than Plumlee, which might be a hot take, but I think that's true. Um, when, when he's playing. Obviously, the injury stuff is what it is. But right, he plays 40 games a year. But I, I think this is a similar roster in yep. terms of overall quality. Um, but, like, you had a career year from Terry Rozier last year. Uh, that's correct. And I think that, that kind of offsets a little bit. Like, I think LaMelo will be better because LaMelo is a year older. And, and, and LaMelo missed awesome. 18 games, I think, towards the end of the year. Yeah, and risk? also, like, Gordon Hayward missed time, but guess what? He misses time. Like, he just misses that's time. What, that's what Gordon Hayward does. Uh, he's, really, he's good when he plays. Um, Tremendous. But I think 38 and a half is just, like, a little bit high for me. If it was 36 and a half, mm-hmm. I'd have a tougher decision. But I kind of – not. I wouldn't say best bet, but I think this is one where I'd actually kind of advocate for the under. I like the under here a little bit. I also have the under. I, um, I For all the reasons you just listed, I don't know what they're doing at the center position, and I don't think they do. They're going to play a lot of, like, P.J. Washington at the five. I mean, it's, it's, it's Plumlee, it's P.J., and that's kind of all they have in terms of – Yeah, because, like, I mean, Kai, Jones, Kai Jones better have an apartment in Greensboro – He's up. not ready. I mean, I, I like I like that as a flyer for them. That's a good value pick where they got him, but Agreed. he's not ready to play. Um, and then you have like Vernon Carey and Nick Richards who are also not ready to play. Um, Jalen McDaniels is like probably too small to play center. Uh, they they did not pay Miles Bridges, which I don't think that matters too much, but he may not be thrilled because he's not on. Uh, or maybe or, yeah. or maybe he's playing for a contract. I'm not sure, but I don't know. There's not. This is a team that has talent on it. But I agree with you. The front court like really comes down to the defense. Is why you mentioned center. Like, do this? Do they have the bodies to get stops? And I, I kind of don't think so. No. I mean, I think they're not going to be like no. terrible, terrible. But this is like the twentieth defense last year, and I think they're worse almost everywhere defensively. I mean, they're worse at center. Um, Kelly Oubre is like okay on defense, but not the most like off-ball attentive guy. Um, yeah, I just don't see the defense being good enough to sort of offset. A pretty good offense for sure, but not one that's going to be like special either. No, I, um, I just I, I'm with you. I think this is an under. They could get close to this number, but I, I think there's just a number of other teams in the East that have gotten better around them uh, that were in their zone or below it, like if you're thinking about teams like Chicago, teams like Toronto, um, even a team like the Wizards went out and made made some some moves to, to get a little better. Um, it's, it's hard for me to see where there's substantial improvement on this team, barring a couple leaps from guys that, I don't know, it's hard to project that from. Um, and like, like I said, that center rotation is terrifying to me, especially on the defensive end. Like Mason Plumley was a salary dump, uh, <laughs> kind of, um, from Detroit, Detroit, yeah. Detroit paid, Detroit paid like a 37th overall pick. Oh yeah. They, they and that was probably the right, I mean, he's not terrible. Like Mason Plumley's fine. It's just that he's not going to help no, he's not your defense too much. Yeah. Um, and then PJ Washington, no. like. I like P.J. Washington as a small ball center, but defensively is not where he's yeah. going to shine um, on that end of the floor. So, no, yeah, it's I mean, not going to be – it's between, not going to be pretty. And, like, he feels more like a change of pace type guy for me. Yeah, he's, he's fine. It's like just, he split time last year and was 50-50. But you're going you're gonna to push that off. more than that this year. That will probably help the offense. 
Um, and not to belabor it, but they were they overperformed last year in clutch situations, and a lot of that was like, I mean, I've never been the biggest Rozier guy, but he was awesome last year. He made a ton of shots for them. He shot the lights out. He like, was out of his mind. He was just crazy, and he might just be a different player now, but I, I, if I had to guess, he won't be quite as good as he was last year, just because it was so mm-hmm. different than what it had been before, and even more so in the clutch. I think he shot like in the mid to high 40s from three in the clutch. Like It was a pretty outrageous performance. From Terry Rozier, and uh, that got them some extra wins. So, uh, not a bad basketball team, just not one that I'm going to put the over on. So, um, the next one's sure. weird. 35, 36 wins, I think is closer. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same spot there. Uh, Sorry. No, you're good. The, the next one is Chicago, which is a very divisive team. Like, it's funny to see all sides. I know on the Locked on Bulls podcast, we did a crossover uh, recently, like a roundtable thing, and uh, they're kind of bewildered about how low everybody is. and. I'm kind of bewildered about how high everybody is in some respects, but there's, it's kind of an interesting dividing line, and it almost comes down to how much you care about defense because I think everyone agrees yes. they have offensive talent, and it's like obviously my brand is to care about defense a lot, which means I'm lower on Chicago than most. Um, but 43.5 is the number, and people are kind of just all over the map here. They are, This is a, just a – you know, they were a 38-win team a year ago, but they're so different that I almost want to throw that out. Like, they just kind of overhauled everything between Vooch midseason and now DeMar. I mean, where are you on the Bulls? I don't I don't even know what to make of this. Bulls are back, baby. I'm in. Oh, you're in? Wow. I love it. All right. I love it. I don't know. I see all the – I see the problems. I lean over again. <laughs> I see the problems. I think this is one where – I see I see the problem areas, but I do think they address some of those – um, you upgraded backcourt defense a lot when you had Lonzo and Caruso. Uh, Lonzo for off-the-ball stuff, Caruso as a really good on-the-ball guy. I can just, I can see them, fig- you know, losing Thad Young is big. I think that's kind of been glossed over a touch. Uh, he was really, really good for them. But I, I don't know, like, I, I think Vucevic kind of struggled for them trying to figure out where he fit last year when he got traded over. Like there was this expectation that, that they were going to make this push with Vooch and, and it never came. But I think a full off season, him knowing the guys around him now, him getting a chance to go through a camp and, and kind of figure out where he goes. Cause like in Orlando, he was like the sun, moon and stars. Right. And so he goes to this place where that's Zach Levine and he's got to figure out where he fits again. And I think that was tough for him. Um, but I, I like, I like this team. I like the way they're constructed. Um, I like their off season. You know, we talked when we talked about the Spurs on the West pod, like DeMar DeRozan is, I think at this point underrated um, by, by a lot of folks for, for what he can do and what he can bring. And I think, I just like the way a lot of the pieces fit. Um, I think offensively, obviously, more than anything. But but I really like the way that Lonzo can play off of Zach, can play off of D- DeMar. And then you have Vucevic, who can pop and space the floor in a way that helps DeMar get to the places he wants to be on the court. And you can ju- I can just see how it all works. Um, and if they can figure out a way to piecemeal a middle of the pack top 20 defense, you know, don't be atrocious on that end. And this could be a really good basketball team. I can see them winning 45. I can see them winning 45. Again, this is a lean, 
because like I know where you're going with this. I see pitfalls. <laughs> I see the problems that could arise from the defense particularly, but I just, uh, I guess I kind of want to believe in, in some team this year. Like I, I tend to pick like a couple teams that I just decide I'm just going to be optimistic on. Cause I think I'm naturally a little bit more pessimistic and, and tend to lean under on everybody. And so I, I try to, I'm trying to just be a little more positive about a few teams and uh, Chicago's one that, that, that I am this year. I can see, I can see why it's not like, I can't see the the picture here. The offensive talent is fairly impressive when you talk about Levine, who I was never of the highest on, but last year was like, he's just, he's, he's a, he's a star. I mean, at this point he is a breakout. You can nitpick him if you want to, but he is a star level player offensively. Uh, Vooch is a good offensive player. Uh, you can certainly do the same thing there, but he's a good offensive player. DeMar's a good offensive player. Lonzo is useful. Um, they have a lot of pieces. I do think the defense is going to be a problem. Um, how big of a problem it is, is the question because, and yeah, stuff like having Lonzo, Lonzo's a good defender. I think he helps them. I think Caruso helps them defensively, clearly. Um, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on Pat Williams to play defense yep. on this team. Um, and also, Paul. I, I kind of like Derek Jones Jr. I don't know if they're going to play him. Like he kind of just fell out of favor in Portland, bizarrely. I've always kind of liked his defense. He might help them too. But I mean, you with all the praise that we put out there for Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch, they're all bad defenders. Like, without... Yeah. I mean, Levine has gotten better. He's still pretty bad. DeMar is very bad at this point in his career. And Vooch is not good defensively. So, can you construct a defense that's not bottom six or seven in the league is kind of the question. Because if you really buy the offense, like, this could be a top six, seven, eight offense if all things go well. And this bar, the bar is not that high to clear this, you know, 44 and a half is the number. Like, no, sorry, 43 and a half is the number. Um, yeah, yeah I, I could see a case for the over. I think I would probably lean under, but sure. I won't give out the under either. It's like no, kind of same. around this range not, for me. So Not handing it out, but I, I just, I don't know. I want to believe. I, I like my Bulls I like fan friends. Shouts to Tom Fernelli. Oh, Tom. Tom, Tom Bulls Tom, are come back. On the, come, on the, come on the podcast, Tom, to preview Hawks Bulls. Um, all right, we can we can leave Chicago there. Uh, before we move on to Cleveland and the rest of the East, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone. And honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites. But for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. But online is back and better than ever, and all eyes are on the gridiron this season as teams are back for another football season. 
all across the country. And as always, Bet Online is your favorite and number one spot for all of your professional and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. And one more time, it is 50% on a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON in their portal. From football, basketball, boxing, golf, tennis, UFC, baseball, your favorite casino games, and much, much more, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season with BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Robbie, let us dive into the Cleveland Cavaliers, America's team, as they're called. No, I'm kidding. Uh, The Cavs are kind of a mess. Uh, I think everyone knows that. The number is 27.5 with the juice to the over, which is interesting. Um, the Cavs had the point differential of a 20-win team last season. They were dreadful on offense. They were pretty bad on defense as well. Um, you bring in... Remember when they started the season? Like They were pretty decent eight, early. 8-8 eight eight yeah. or something like that? I mean, this team is so weird. In that, like, You could argue that Larry Nance was their second-best player last year, and he's not on the team anymore. They paid a lot of money for Laurie Markkinen for reasons. Um, Evan Mobley should be okay for them as a rookie, but still a rookie. Ricky Rubio might be cooked. He's there as well. Uh, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, etc. This is, on, on paper, I think everyone knows this is going to be a bad basketball team. Uh, I got to lean under, man. I mean, given this, given what they were last year, if you believe in point differential, if you think they were a 21 team last year, why are they eight wins better? And I can't give you an answer for that, honestly. That's correct. Um, also, like, kind of like we talked about in the West, there someone's got to lose a lot of games in the East, and we know Orlando is. But I think the Cavs are Cavs and Pistons are gonna do the same. And um, what do they do well? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm 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 actually asking you, like, what is the strength of the Cavs? Uh, I mean, Darius Garland. They have some good players, like. I think Doing Collins, stuff I, like I, I don't know what they do as as a unit though. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that makes me like that stands out that they can be even like a top ten in the league at. No, I mean because the thing is they have the some hell, good top players. fifteen in the league. Like I, you I have just, you have Sexton. They have a few. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, so I, I think I think Sexton is actually potentially underrated. Like I think you can't just like completely fake sure, what he was able to do last player. year, but. That fit is still tenuous. Jared Allen is good, uh, but Jared Allen is not fantastic. He's like a Jared Allen. solid starting center. No, um, The fit there with Mobley is not my favorite. Kevin Love is on this team. Laurie Markkinen is on this team for real money, so they're going to play him, and I don't know how or why or in what way. Yeah. Um, Isaac Okoro, who I, I do love. shoot. I, Isaac Okoro is a guy I love, but offensively it's still like a giant work in progress at this moment. So, like... I don't know. They probably have seven or eight guys that you look at on this step chart that are like, all right, these guys are going to play. And I don't know how they, f- they don't fit well really at all together. So. No, no, I don't, I don't know. What to the do Cavs are, I think the Cavs are maybe one of the finest examples of uh, when continuing to draft BPA goes wrong. Well, and also, like, also just like I'm kind of missing on a couple times too. Not missing, missing. But yeah. Like, 
honestly, a lot of this comes down, comes back to the Garland Sexton back to back picks. Um, I mean, because yes. that kind of just makes you build in a different way. And it's possible mm-hmm. that they could hit on, quote unquote, hit on both of those picks and still have it not work. So, which is kind of what I think you're, what you're getting into because Garland, people are excited yeah. about. I like Garland a lot. I think Sexton, like for where they drafted him, has been a relative success story, but they don't fit together. And they also kind of ensure that you're bad defensively. And I don't know, there's just all kinds of things. And I like Evan Mobley, but he can't save it as a rookie. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just think they're going to be, like, maybe they could be a 25-win team, and that would be improvement. I mean, they they could win 27 games. They could win 29 games. games. They they could go over here. It wouldn't stun me. Um, But I I do like the other. Well, also, like, how much are they going to, I mean, how much are they going to care at the end of the year? I don't know. They might, they actually might care. I don't know. Like, that's actually one of the questions that I have about Cleveland is, like, what is their organizational mandate? Um, I don't really know. Like, what are they trying to do in season? Um, are they trying to develop Evan Mobley at all costs? Or are they going to start, like, playing Larry Markkinen over him? I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be weird to see what they do here. But, like, Larry Nance was, like, good for them and a veteran. He's not there anymore. And he's, like, a lot better than Larry Markkinen, which is the funniest thing about that trade is that they just got worse. That made no sense. <laughs> they got worse. That they, got, was... they got younger. But, uh, okay. I don't know what... Oh, also that's going to be like Larry Nance when he was healthy was like a significant reason that that defense was good to start the season. Yeah, they went, they went from being historically bad the previous year defensively to being bad, but not terrible last, like not like ridiculously bad last year. And a lot of that was when Nance was playing to your point, like that. Right. Like, that was the beginning of, of the year that. Yeah. The guy when, when going they started with, 500. Going with Allen and Nance, like, and then getting Allen midseason, if you could just mm-hmm. roll out a front court of Nance and Allen, like that's competent defensively. And now, yeah, you, you could play Mobley and Allen, but then Mobley and Allen is not the best fit offensively for obvious reasons. So, anyway, we're in the weeds on Cleveland, but they, we think, we think they're going to be bad. Uh, at least I yeah, do. Yeah, under. So, give me the under on, on the Cavs. Pretty, and, pretty, uh, pretty decently firm. I didn't yeah. have that one really locked up. Not, not a best bet for me, it. but still one that I, I kind of like on the under. Yeah, more so. Uh, the next team is also probably going to be pretty bad, but maybe maybe not quite as bad, and that is Detroit. Um, the Pistons number is 25.5, which is actually below where the Cavs number right. is. Um, so, and that's interesting to me. Obviously, Kate Cunningham is there. That's the headliner. Um Plumley, who was a big piece for them last year, not going to be there anymore. They replaced him with Kelly Olynyk, who is better than him. That's correct. Um, the Jeremy Pistons Grant. are, yeah, Jeremy Grant's around. Like the Pistons are definitely in this like transformation. Finally, after all this time, they have their centerpiece in Cade. Um, I'll be honest. I, I my first lean is over on the Pistons because the number I think is just too low. And it's not that I'm like over the moon on the Pistons. I just think mm-hmm. the number is really low, and I think that Cade. Um, if you're going to have a rookie be not terrible, I think Kate is a decent bet for that um, because of his defense more than anything else. I think he'll actually compete defensively and be a good passer and all that stuff. And I kind of buy into the front court of like Grant, Stewart, Olenek, uh, Sadiq Bay. That's like actually pretty decent to me. I'm not running to bet the over on the Pistons, but I think I actually might lean over here. Yeah, I also have overwritten down here. Um, all the same reasons you said, this is a... Young team, but 
with some veterans in a couple key spots that I think can help those young guys. And it's really the way that they've gone about kind of adding those veterans makes me think that they are going to not necessarily go entirely on a youth movement thing um, and like just like play their young guys crazy minutes results be damned and if that's the case like they, they're gonna win some games uh i don't love this but yeah i have, I have overwritten <laughs> down and like yeah. you know Cade's good i think he can be good immediately in what he does and if Olenek is anywhere close to what he was in houston like Olenek's a good. really really good basketball player Olenek's good i think i think isaiah stewart just plays really Beast hard too. and like yeah. rebounds and Jeremy, Jeremy grant's good and yeah, they, they they have they have more competent basketball players than most of these rebuilding teams have. Like even guys like Corey Joseph and mm-hmm. Hamdu Diallo and Saban Lee are like NBA players. Those guys are fine. Mm-hmm. Like they can they can not kill you for periods of time. Uh, the one would... caveat is Killian Hayes. If they play Killian Hayes a lot, he might just be bad. And I, I was pro Killian in the draft. He might just yep. be bad. He he looked awful at summer league. Um, and if yeah. that that's the one way, well, there's more than one way, but I think that's that's the primary concern I would have in not betting the over would be yeah. that they play Killian a lot and he just kind of kills them. That is very fair. Uh, I actually wrote about that, like, I guess last week. I think I wrote about it a while back, um, but it ran last week where, like, it kind of depends on what the Pistons care about this year, but yeah, like they, they might just want to figure out if Killian is anything or if they need to pull the ripcord there. Um, and, and, so yeah, I, I, I would I actually encourage that. that organizationally to like, see what they have there. Agree. It also might hurt them, on but the that would be terrifying. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. and that, and that, and that kids is why I'm not betting the over on the Pistons. Just leaning, mm-hmm. just leaning, just leaning on the over on the Pistons. Yes. Um, all right. Getting away, getting away from the, from the bottom for a little bit. Uh, Indiana, is next on the alphabetical listing. Uh, this is a weird one, too. Uh, 42 and a half wins. The mm-hmm. juice is on the over with the Pacers. Uh, mm-hmm. Health is a big concern here. Like, TJ Warren is just still not playing basketball. I don't yeah, know that's what's not going good. on there. Um, that's a big one. But other than that, like, they lost some supporting pieces. You know, Doug McDermott's gone, for one. Uh, Aaron Holiday is gone. But they kind of just brought the band back. Otherwise, it's still Sabonis and Turner, and they gave Brogdon an extension, and um, etc. So it's kind of like, what do you make of last year? Because the Pacers were like a 40 win team point differential wise last year. Um, but they kind of hated their coach by all accounts. Uh, and now yep. it's, and now it's Rick Carlisle who is good. I mean, they might hate him mm-hmm. too, but at least he's documentally good. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't know. Thoughts? Uh, I have overwritten down, which I don't like, um, a lot. Like I just, this is a, this is just a stay away. I like you said, like, I like a lot of pieces in Indiana. Still don't know how they all fit. Trust Rick Carlisle to figure that out more than most. Uh, if, if Karis is healthy and stuff, that's big. I like Karis Levert go blue. I don't know. I, I don't want anything to do with Indiana if financially. I, if I knew that TJ Warren was healthy and would play, I'd take the over. Uh, but he I hasn't agree. played in a year, basically. 
Um, that's, that's correct. And they have to have him. He just, There's not a guy on that roster that can do what he can do. I still don't love the Sabonis Turner thing. I mean, they have good players. I mean, they're respectable. Uh, I think Carlisle will have them playing pretty well, but I don't want to bet anything. I think I'd lean under if I, if I had to choose because the, the middle of the East is kind of just jumbled up. But I have them around fine 500. Like they're, they're a fine kind of uninspiring team at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, the next one I actually have strong thoughts on. And that is the Miami Heat. Hey, same. Uh, I've said this a number of times on the podcast, so people probably know this. They're the longtime listeners of the show. I am not a Miami Heat believer this season in the regular season. I think this is a team that is built for the playoffs uh, mm-hmm. with their small ball stuff and P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry. I get all that. Um, they have no depth, really, at all. And I think nope. they have a guy in Lowry and Tucker, Those both those guys, um, that are not going to be 82-game players. More so Tucker, but Lowry's getting to the age where, like, you got to kind of manage him a little bit, you would you would imagine. And the number here is 48. Uh, this is my best bet in the East. I will take the under on Miami. Yeah, I'm there, too. I like it better at 48 and a half because that, that half win's meaningful. But the, uh, the, the sharp crew has woken up. Now, now, the, now, the, now the under at 48 is also juiced to the under. So, yeah, it's coming. Still under though, um, for all the reasons you said, this is a playoff team. This is this is going to be like the six seed nobody wants to deal with. Uh, not going to be fun for whoever faces them in the playoffs. But they're being picked third but <laughs> instead of sixth. I I they are not the number three team in the East based on win total. That agreed. I I would happily take a Hawks versus Miami. Uh, at I mean, if, if it's 47 and have 48, you're probably giving me Hawks at minus 105. Yeah, you, you, could, you could almost – it's not exactly Keeping. that because there is a little bit the, of um, – there, Charlotte a, on there. Yeah, there, there's a division bet you can take on the Southeast. I'm trying to see what the current number is right now um, on the Southeast division. And, yes, I guess Charlotte could win the East. I'm not going to tell you that's not possible. I think it's a two-team race in my mind. Um, and the Heat are favored over the Hawks. So – Yep. If you like the Hawks against the Heat, which I do, I would advocate for that. The Hawks are plus money against the Heat in the division. So, Yep, I like that a lot. Um, I just – I think this will be a 44-45 win team that is six-seed range, seven, maybe, maybe even in the play-in, but is going to be a team that can win that play-in game that, you know, like – like you said, it's just it, there's not a lot of depth. They rely on a guy that neither of us are particularly high on, which is Tyler Hero. Like that's the only way they get over is if Tyler Hero makes a leap that I don't believe exists. And maybe he can. Who knows? But I, I don't see it. Um. So yeah, I think maybe. Uh, and uh, this is going to sound crazy coming from me. I am not a hero guy. Uh, I think the charitable thing there would be that maybe that. Maybe all parties. Well, he doesn't. Maybe the Heat understand now that he's probably just a six-man, um, third guard kind of guy that can just be put in situations to succeed. Maybe that's possible. I, I well, know that he but the thing is, is way, if but... if he's the sixth man, when you're playing with bench lineups, it's going to be all him because they don't have a bench. Uh, no, that, that's my my that's biggest thing about create. this team in the regular season is that they don't have any depth. I mean, yeah, and... they have no depth. And they also, Miami, organizationally, yeah, they're going to try in the regular season, but they also really want to aim high, and they're not going to push their guys. And 
They truly have like seven NBA players, <laughs> like maybe eight. Uh, they don't go beyond that. Like whereas the Hawks have like thirteen, the Heat have right. like eight, and that at some point it's going to matter. I know they have they have stars. I mean, their their best five is good. I, I'm not saying otherwise. Yeah. Their best five is good. No, that that eight, but and like that eight is going to be a really hard out as a playoff rotation. But I just think regular season wise, 44, 45 wins, which is comfortably under this number. Yeah, we are aligned, and uh, I am fading Miami in, in any way possible in the regular season. That's just one of my uh, one of my one of my opinions. Principles. Uh, all right, from there to the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we know about the Bucks well on this podcast. They won at a 54 win clip last year in the regular season. When it comes to mm-hmm. point differential, um, their over under is in that same range this year. It is 54 and a half, uh, and for me. This comes down to like what you think about like how much they're going to try. Thoughts? <laughs> I think it's an over because I think they've spent their offseason getting better for the regular season. I could see that. I mean, I great, think, Grayson Allen season. Right. Grayson Allen. Uh, you, get da- you get Dante back at some point late in the year. Um, Rodney Hood's on this team. Right. George. And so like the thing for me is like somebody like George Hill – I think Milwaukee knows at this point that he's not going to be a factor in the playoffs. They've, they've been there, done that with him. But also the last time he played in the regular season with Milwaukee, he led the league in three-point percentage. So I think it's just a good system fit. He's a guy that is going to be able to give Holiday some 30-minute nights, some 28-minute nights when they're just beating the brakes off of folks and George Hill can just come in and run stuff. I think they learned Bud learned last year how to manage his stars in the regular season. And I think his message to the top was get me some more depth so I can do that again. And I think they I think they went through and did that. You get Bobby Portis back basically for free, which is wild. Um losing PJ Tucker does nothing to dissuade me from regular season thoughts. Agreed. Uh he was important in the postseason and how they figure out how to replace that presence either with more offense or figuring out how to make the defense still as stingy as they were is going to be Bud's biggest task, I think. But yeah, this is, this is, I feel like this is a solid over. I actually, this is one of the three that I had on my like actual card as an over, because I think Last year was the let's experiment with how to get through this thing. Holiday was injured for a while. Giannis missed a little time. And I, I think this year they're just, they're going to steamroll. I think this is the one seed uh, in the East, actually. Yeah, that none of that sounds crazy to me. I'm not quite as eager about it as you. I think I would lean to the over. One of the reasons I'm not is that, you know, the Giannis not 100% thing that he's been talking about for the last couple weeks um, based on the knee. I think he's going to play and be fine. He looks good to me. I'm not saying otherwise. It's just that um, if he just plays 65 games instead of 82, that hurts them because he's really good. Um, well, yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's Bud is such a good regular season coach that yes, my default is the over just because he just has a system. They keep it rolling. Yeah, they'll have a night where they give up 25 threes to somebody because that's just what, that's just what happens. But yes. they just kind of have it, they'll roll it out. And as long as they don't have major injuries, 
I have to lean over as well. I don't love it because the number is pretty high. I mean, 55 wins is nothing to joke at, but I think that I would lean that way as well. Um, <laughs> this is a weird one. The, the Knicks are next. Uh, Hawks fans saw a lot of the Knicks, obviously, last season. They were, by the time they got to that series, they just could not score, and it was excruciating, and I was kind of banging the drum pre-series about, like, why is no one picking the Hawks in the series, and it was crazy to me that no one's picking the Hawks, and uh, the Hawks killed them. But the Knicks are very different now. They they went offense at expensive defense. They added Kemba. They added Evan Fournier. Um, those guys will help their offense. It just comes down to how much they hurt their defense and how much last year was real because no one had the Knicks being good last year, and they were a 47-win team, point differential-wise. Another, another win total is 42.5. So if you bought them last year, you should probably buy them again, but I don't know. Yeah, I have, I have like a lean over because – I don't think they got five games worse. Um, and and I, I get what you're saying. Um, like they kind of came out of nowhere, but it also was one of those things that felt fairly sustainable in terms of regular season stuff. They were grinding. It's uh, <laughs> I, I mean that. And, and again, like they're, I think they're going to do it again. Like this, this kind of feels like, um, they, they give me some of the vibes of those early Toronto teams with Lowry and DeRozan that won 46 games and got a mid-seed and then just got smoked at some point in the playoffs because they just didn't have another gear to hit. And I, I, I don't think the Knicks, even with what they added, have that gear still, but I, I think they're a good team. Um, I lean over. I definitely wouldn't bet it at minus one thirty on the juice, but yeah, I think they're. I think they can. They can be an above five hundred team. Yeah, I was kind of hoping the number would be higher, and I take the under. But the number is modest at forty two and a half. It's um, pretty reasonable. I, you know, part of me is a little bit afraid because their calling card was so obviously their defense last year, and it was so good. And Tim right. was very good at that end of the floor. And then you put in you put in Kemba to go along with Derrick Rose is already kind of a bad defender. And then you throw in Evan Fournier, who's like not terrible, but not very good. And they lose Reggie Bullock. And obviously he's not like a household name and Fournier is better, but Bullock was good for them last year. I don't know. I, I, I kind of am tempted to say to lean under just because I don't, I didn't, I never really bought it. And I don't know how long Tibbs shtick actually works for. Like it's usually some, year three. Yeah. There's some recent evidence of like, it goes down Fairly quickly, but maybe the maybe the overturn. They still have Todd Gibson around to kind of be the voice in the locker room, and they're going to be competent in the regular in the regular season. Well, the name we haven't said yet is Julius Randle, who like had the season of his life last year, and that doesn't feel all the way real to me. Um, but the numbers modest enough where I can kind of see it. Honestly, I project them right right at, right at forty two, forty three. So that's where the number is, and that's not sexy, but that's kind of where I'd have them. So. Stay away. Yeah, I mean, with with yes, I, I I think it's a stay away. But what I will say about Randall is, he's doing the exact same thing so far in the preseason. Yeah, I just I don't know the whole like for whatever shot for diet, whatever that's work. Like, I, I mean, he's shooting. He's at fifty thirty nine yeah. seventy five right now for no. And he we, played he played a lot in the preseason. Like I, I'm shocking. just <laughs> he played a lot right, which like of course of course he's playing a lot in preseason, but like. I just like I don't know like he just might have figured something out be comfortable with what he's being asked to do I, I don't know like I, I agree I my natural inclination is to say like he takes a little step back 
But the thing is, even if he takes a little step back, that's still a really good player who who helps them. And I just think they're a team that when you get them in a series and you can kind of scheme it up and make some adjustments and figure out what they do, you can take them out of what they want to do and you can attack them. But they're a team that you don't see that style a lot of and you're not going to make those adjustments for a regular season game. Yep. And that's where Thibs thrives is like that kind of aggression on defense and then bully ball offense works because teams don't see it a ton now. But when you get to the postseason, you make the adjustments, but teams don't want to make sweeping adjustments in the regular season. They just don't. They, they're working on their stuff still, you know, and uh, I, I think that bodes well for the Knicks in the regular season. So I, I lean over again. I do, I'm not locking this up. Yeah, I think that's uh, that all makes sense. And we're in that same, we're in a pretty similar range with the Knicks, I think. And we'll see how they can bounce back from uh, their ugly, ugly loss to the Hawks in the playoffs. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, next is the dreadful Orlando Magic. Uh, Holy crap. The number is 22.5 for Orlando. Uh, before we get into the number, uh, who is worse, Orlando or Oklahoma City? Um, <laughs> Oklahoma City has the... Oklahoma City has the best player. That that is yeah. The thing is okay. So Without a doubt, that by the over under number, the Magic have the lowest in the league at twenty two and a half. Oklahoma City is twenty three. Uh, the Thunder, to your point, have clearly the best player in shape. without without it, not even close. Not even close. Um, so there's <sighs> that. But I, I think two through fifteen, Orlando's better. Um, yeah. But that number one actually does matter. So I, I just want to throw it that out there. Yeah, Those teams I are think it's bad. close. I think it's close, <laughs> and and as I said with with OKC, uh, I took the under there. I will take the under in Orlando. I'm Orlando after the or, point. Orlando after the trade deadline, they were was like offensively bad. I mean, and honestly, that was I praised them for finally, finally, finally tearing it down because yes. they just had to do it at some point, and they finally did it, but. Yeah, I'm looking uh, while we're talking now um, for post-All-Star stats, and the Magic were, um, let's just say, not very good. Uh, net rating after the, all- after the All-Star break, minus 12.0. Not good. Uh, the Thunder were worse, uh, to be fair. Mm-hmm. The Thunder were minus 15.0. The Thunder, the Thunder were like a special type of bad once they, once they shut Shea down. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, about the Magic versus the Thunder is that the Magic have more recognizable names on the team. Like, guys like Cole Anthony uh, and RJ Hampton are, like, prominent Cole. names people know. Um, Cole Anthony might be really bad. Yes, and, that, and that, that's kind of where I'm going. Like, like, like Even Mo, like Mo Bamba's name people know. Mo Bamba's not very good. Like, he's he's not, like, a total cast-off right now. But sure. to, to this point, he's been pretty bad. Um, yeah. And then you throw in rookies, like... I like both Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner, but like they're really they're big, really big. I like, I like Jalen Suggs a lot. Um, Franz is going to like have a meltdown at some point about everybody else's defense on this team. Well, that's the thing. Like he's, he's a rookie. That's not going to look good. Cause it's, I mean, his, his best his, skill is team defense. Yeah. Which is not going to work out. I mean, 
I don't know. They have they have they have some veterans. They have like Gary Harris is on this team still, which is I cool. love Gary Harris. Gary Harris gets traded by the deadline. Uh, Wendell Carter just signed an extension with the Thunder, uh, a, a modest one, but extension. Terrence Ross is still on in Orlando. Someone uh, he must just like it there. They have Robin Lopez who yeah, might they just get, have might they have get guys. The DNP, he might get a DNP Disney at some point. Like he just might forget oh, there's a game. Sure, uh, and be at Epcot. Like that's a non-zero. Definitely chance. and. You know, they might try, but I have I have to lean under on the fun, on on the magic because last year they were um, even with Vooch and Gordon and Fournier for half the season, their point differential was a, was of a twenty one team last year, and they're not they're obviously not I mean they're similar to where they were in the second half of the season. They might be a little bit better with Robin Lopez on the team and a little bit better health. But they're definitely not better than they were last year. You take off half a season of three pretty good players, and now the under the over under is two and a half wins higher. So like, I have to go under on on, on Orlando, and I, I would hope that similar to Oklahoma City, we can bank on them punting the last month out of draft considerations to help us on the under. Yes, yeah, they 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 would like to lose as well so you would think uh this is this is the worst team in the east by far I agree. and under under it is uh i guess philadelphia is like an all-time <laughs> stay away uh their numbers their numbers the numbers 51 um mm-hmm. and it's pretty much impossible to handicap the sixers right now because of ben simmons uh yep. it's as we're recording this it's it's late monday evening I uh, probably won't probably won't be hearing this until Wednesday or so. Um, ben is reported to camp. He might play at some point. Um, I don't know what's happening there. 51's a lot of wins. Uh, and because of all of that, if you just made me choose something, I would take the under just out of like uncertainty and maybe Embiid gets hurt. Uh, but they could go over. I, I You could not – I wouldn't bet this with your money is what I'll say. I have no interest in this whatsoever. Nope. No, thank you. Um, I mean, they'll be good without Simmons, but like how good? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, as, I, as long as Embiid is healthy and playing, they have guys. Yes. Like Tobias they're, Harris they're, is pretty good. Uh, you know, And Tobias might be, might, might be a type of guy who without Ben and on the team with a little more spacing ends up being better than he's been with Ben. Like that's a not that's, that's in play. They like signed that. Andre Drummond. They brought in Andre Drummond. I mean, <laughs> Andre oh, Drummond is better than Dwight was last year. I mean, yes. Dwight Howard top three reason they lost to the Hawks. Ooh, that's, that's quite a list we could put together uh, at another time. But yeah, I, you have Ben Simmons is on the roster, not playing right now. You have Seth Curry. You have Danny Green. They bring back Furkan Korkmaz. They have Tybal. They have George Yang, who I kind of like. Isaiah like, Joe's looked really good the preseason. Like, Shake Milton's still around. Tyrese Maxey, of course. They have a bunch of yeah. guys, but... Um, they're good. They're, they're a very good basketball team. And because it of comes Joel. down to... <laughs> because of Joel. And it comes down to, as always, Joel's health. And do they get the other thing that, that spooks me and leans me towards the under is 
I don't like how their goal with a Ben Simmons trade seems to be focused on draft assets. I mean, not a, it, not, it kind, it not kind of has to be, though. I mean, maybe because it has to be. I think Daryl would like to not do that. I just don't. Maybe he's realistic and at some point is like, look, we can't trade for anything else. So um, also, like, one of the favorite sleeper trades was the was the Pacers, and now Brogdon can't be traded this yeah. season. Anyway, done. there's a whole, like, rabbit hole of Ben Simmons fake trades. Um, Over-under-wise, I just... Well, but th- that's the thing know. is it, it comes down to, like, if a Simmons trade is more likely getting assets to try and chase a Beal or a Lillard at a future date, which I hate because I hate punting on a year in Embiid's window when we don't know how long his window is to be as dominant as he is. I hate that. I, uh, it points me towards the under, but I, I agree. You you couldn't make me bet this. Yeah. Uh, hard pass. Um, all right. Two more to go, and they are both interesting teams um, for different reasons. So mm-hmm. Toronto is now back in Toronto after being in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, their over-under is 36.5, heavily juiced to the over. Um, the Raptors, uh, I think to their credit, in my opinion – essentially punted the end of last season. And it was very obvious. They did not want to be in the play-in. They were like, all yeah. right, we're not going to – we don't want to be there. Let's just try to get a draft pick. That worked out pretty well for them. They get Scotty Barnes. A lot of turnover, though, like no more Kyle Lowry on this team. Um, the rest of the supporting cast guys are pretty much back. And then you have OG, and uh, they actually got a decent package for Kyle Lowry and Precious and Gorga Dragic, who's still on this team as well. Um, but for me, and you can maybe you can think of this differently, but for me it's like – do the Raptors have any interest in winning 42 games this year? And if the answer is yes, then give me the over pretty solidly. I just don't know the answer. I think the answer is yes, which is why I I lean over, but I'm with you. I think there is some trepidation that there's a not, there's, there's a, there's a percentage chance that they pull the ripcord at some point and really go towards a rebuild because they have the pieces to, to, go future focused and they have the asset like they have the the veteran type guys that you could get really good future looking packages for if they wanted to do that i don't think that happens so i think it's more likely that they are being back in toronto trying to um, make another push for a playoff berth and uh i would i would lean over they just have some good players. Like I think the world is way too low on Pascal Siakam at this point. Um, and, and he might miss the start of the season, I think. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not a hard percent when he comes back, or I guess he's definitely going to miss the, the start of the season, but um, so we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But like, I'm a big OG guy. He's been awesome. Fred Van Vliet's very, Fred Van Vliet's very Fred Van Vliet is very good. That's hard <laughs> to say. It is. Um, yeah, so, like, they have some dudes that you like. Scotty Barnes is just kind of a weird fit in terms of, like, they have similar profile guys like OG, but also you also see why they think they can tap into what he does and maximize him. Um. 
I uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, give me. Uh, I think I think lean over, but with not a lot of conviction <laughs> in that. Um, okay, last team, the Washington Wizards. Uh, no Westbrook this time around. He's no longer there. They have overhauled their roster um, to the point of comedy. They bring in a bunch of different guys. Uh, Dinwiddie is there. Kyle Kuzma is there. KCP is there. Montrez Harrell is there. Uh, Aaron Aaron Holiday is on this team. Uh, plus Corey Kispert. Um, obviously, rusts out the door with a couple of other guys as well. So they're very different than they were last year. They're still heavily reliant on Bradley Beal, and they have a mismatched roster. Like, what do you think of Denny Abdia? I don't know. Rui Hachimura is on this team still. Um, it's kind of a weird amalgamation roster and Bradley Beal. But the number is 34 and a half. And last year, their point differential was a 37 win team. Granted, that's with uh, that's with Russ going crazy. But I don't know about you. I have a hard time like figuring out what they were last year because they were like either really really good or really, really bad with no with nothing in between. Like they had that awful mm-hmm. stretch where they just like couldn't win a game, and they closed like eleven and three or something because Russ went ballistic. He's not there to go ballistic anymore, but they have better balance, and Dinwiddie is like pretty good. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I truly have no idea how good Washington's going to be, um, but maybe you do. Yeah. Uh, I lean over for those reasons. Like I, I think they are going to be a better team in terms of consistently being able to show up every night because they're not going to be quite as dependent on like maybe maybe Russ goes Nova, maybe Brad goes Nova. But I, I don't know. We'll um, we'll see. It's an interesting team, but. I like some of the moves they made. I think they got better in some, some important spots. You get Thomas Bryant back, which I think is sneaky big for them. Um, Cause he missed, I think almost all of last year and, and him coming back is, is really big for a team that didn't have much in the way of a center rotation. Like they played a lot of Rolo last year, um, which made for some, some fun content. Cause my man was just shooting like hook shots. Like it's 1974, but um, Bryant's like legit, like a really good offensive center, and I, I think they could be they could be solid. I, I lean over just because I, I do like that. I think they've raised their floor. You mentioned how bad they were at times last year. I think they've raised their floor. Hopefully, won't have to deal with wild COVID stuff like they did at the beginning of last year that I think set them back for about a month, basically. Uh, and then things just were spiraling at that point, and it took Russ to pull them out. If they can avoid something like that and getting in that kind of a hole, I, I think this this is solidly a team that can get in that 37-38 win range and, and be in the mix for the play-in again. Yeah, I think they. if you look at the roster, they have a bunch of competent players. I don't know how they all fit is my really sure. my, my biggest concern. Like, for instance, they have, they're heavily invested in – four guys who were like combo forwards like you have Rui you have Denny you have Kyle Kuzma and then you have the 85 million dollar man Davis Bertans who are all like three and a halves and I don't know how they handle that because like KCP is a two but he's probably their second best wing behind Bradley Beal like in terms of playing right now today and then I, I mean center spots 
question. Like you have Gafford, who was pretty good last year. You have Montrez, who's still solid, but it's tough to build around. Then you mentioned Thomas Bryant. I don't know. There's lots of like decisions that have to be made about the Wizards. They have a, they have a first time head coach. Um, yeah. A lot of uncertainty. I mean, they have a decent talent level. Like it's similar to me, not not construction wise, but like they're balanced and have some good players in the way that Indiana is almost. Um, sure. But they're not as trustworthy in my mind because we just haven't seen it enough. And you know, defensively, I don't know how good they're going to be. Like they were truly, truly terrible two years ago defensively. And this mm-hmm. this last year they weren't as bad, and they gave better effort, and that helped them win more games. And if you get like they're like twentieth on defense, then give me the over. But I don't know. Yeah, I just I just think this number's low enough that I feel decent about it. I, I, I'm not gonna bet it, but it, it it feels like there's a floor for this team in the low thirties, um, even if their ceiling is maybe high 30s and i just think at 34 and a half i see more outcomes where they hit the over but it's like 55 60 percent which is not enough for me to to play it yeah i think we're uh we're locked and loaded on that one i mean as long as beal is around and i guess that's the one wild card would be if beal just gets religion and decides he wants out after all this time but i think he's kind of just gonna stay there <laughs> until he doesn't so uh Maybe that's built into the price. I don't know if that – I mean, I think with Portland, they're kind of building in the Dame thing, just like maybe by like a half a win. Um, maybe they're doing that the same thing with, with Beal. But they're like a 500 team with Beal on the floor, and that's just kind of how it's been for a while. So, anyway. Um, all right. Well, as a, I guess as a, as a final refresher, uh, what, what was your favorite bet in the East? Did you have a favorite? Hawks. Ooh. Hawks and Heat. I would play, say the, the, play into the crowd on that one. I like that. That's good. I think – I think. well, my okay, my three are Hawks, Heat, and Bucks. <laughs> And that was Hawks. Uh, that's Hawks over Heat over, under, and Bucks heat over. under Bucks over. Or yeah, my, my, were my three, my three favorite. I think the Hawks might be my favorite. I think this is a fifty-win team. I, I and I, I, I agree. As as the audience knows, I am not a known Hawks optimist. I'm buying in this team's. They got too much depth not to be a good regular season team. Yeah, I, I we're on the same page. I think they're going to win fifty-ish games. Maybe even more than that if things go perfectly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to decide what my favorite one is between the Hawks over and the Heat under. Uh, I I truly like the Heat under a lot. Um, it's a good. It's a good one too. But uh, yeah, those are my those are my favorites. Not 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 as much on Milwaukee as you. But uh, if I had to advocate for anything, it's usually when we when we when we, when we combine our powers, we're usually decent at this. I'd say. So we are. Uh, we yeah. agree on we agree we agree strongly on two on two plays, which is probably a good sign for the Hawks and a bad sign for the Heat. But we'll see. Uh, Robbie. Thank you for all the time across two podcast episodes. Please thank your wife, who I heard laughing earlier in the background, for her her uh, her work on this podcast as well. <laughs> uh, anything anything to plug before we get out of here? Just find find our work over on uh, Dime on Up Rocks, and um, people know where to find me on Twitter at our and for the the, the punk cast rolls along. <laughs> the punk cast does roll along. Uh, Wonder sirens. Wonders in effect. <laughs> Good. Good Hotel wonders. rooms in San Antonio. Uh, we love to see that. Um, well, thank you, sir. Again, as for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. We will have more content coming, but the Hawks open the season. Yes, open the season with a game that matters on Thursday evening. So we're getting very, very close. Subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.